Welcome, everyone. I'm delighted to see uh, so many of you joining us and some uh, some familiar names as well. So uh, mm -hmm. I look forward to uh, to uh, to um, I know questions. I'll get you involved as uh, as we chat. Uh, if uh, if I was going to be talking learning and flow of work with anybody uh, on this planet today, it'd be with Bob Mojo. I don't think that there's anybody who uh, uh, who is so synonymous with uh, with the term, and that, and I think that that's because uh, he's been doing stuff that works uh, and leading the field um, uh, in this conversation for a long time. So, so Bob, welcome. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you, my friend. Honored. So excited about the dialogue and the good work you folks did. Uh, and thank you, and uh, great to see so many here. Excited about today. Yeah, thanks so much, Bob. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're really excited to have you here to talk about learning in the flow of work. Um, so now let's jump into our topic of the day. Um, so yeah, we, you know, we know that Learning in the flow of work has been a trending topic in L&D for some time. Um, so we really want to kind of get a better idea, get a better sense of just how far organizations have actually come um, in facilitating flow of work solutions. So the, the data insights that you're going to see in the session today um, are all from a survey that we recently conducted of around 2,000 learners and 1,000 L&D folks as well across the US, UK, uh, France and Germany. So, and I think you can actually find um, a link to the report itself in the in the chat uh, window uh, now. So, yeah, the, these insights really kind of aim to to answer the questions that you can see on the screen now. So, we're going to be talking about what types of training do learners actually prefer? Um, are organisations still prioritising learning in the flow of work, or are there you know other solutions that have that have come around? Um, that would better support uh, and guide learners as well. Uh, and also, what challenges do L&D teams face when it comes to learning and the flow of work? You know, everything from uh, resources and budget to lack of support from the leadership teams. Uh, we're going to be talking about all of that good stuff. And David and Bob are also going to provide some practical recommendations for facilitating learning in the flow of work. So that's, that's everything that we're going to cover today. Um, let's get started. David, I'll hand over to you. Thanks, Freddie. Uh, now, um, look, I've got the, the first slide up here, which uh, which, uh, which gives an indication of, uh, of one of the questions asked. But I think that one of the one of the key parts here, one of the one of the, the elements that I was really uh, keen for us to, to dig into, wasn't necessarily just about preference. It was about effectiveness. I think we get too drawn up sometimes in asking uh, the people that we are seeking to influence, the people who need our help, asking them what do they prefer, our face-to-face -face stuff or our online learning stuff. Uh, and I think that we don't get down into to the nuts and bolts off. So I wanted to take um, hypothetical off the table and we asked the first question, what has been the most effective way to fit learning into your schedule? Uh, and all the questions that we've asked uh, are about what people have actually found uh, most successful uh, in them achieving their aims and what's got in the way of that. And no, I think that, uh, that the, the experiment that Google and YouTube have been running on our behalf uh, for the last 16, 17 years, if not more, has taught us that when we need stuff, when there's a, when there's a motivation for it, motivation for us to, to go seeking out information, know-how, or insights. That's when we're that's when we're keen to do so. And look, sixty-four percent. Bob, I'm going to invite you into the conversation early doors. This wasn't a surprise to you, was it? This one? 
<laughs> no, not at all. And, and, and David, my favorite part about this, this part of the survey, and I would challenge our colleagues online to do this too, more. I don't know how much they do it to what degree is we don't, I don't think we ask our learners enough about this kind of thing. I think we ask them a lot about how something went or did they like us something or after an, after an intervention, did it, did you, you feel it will help you or did it have impact? And, and I'm not saying we don't do those, but that's a different question than what was effective and what do you prefer? And when you're, when we're not involved, I love that question. When we're not involved, take L&D off the table, what gets you through and makes you a better performer and, 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 and survives your day, particularly with what we've gone through. And so I, I think this is a very telling uh, response. And, and I shared, David, before we, we were kind of working up for this, that I've asked a similar question to L&D folks as learners for five years now uh, and over thousands of you. And overwhelmingly, when you look at your learning, you've answered very similarly uh, that, that we have to fit it into what we do or the workflow as we're talking about today. It's the most powerful and intrinsically motivating place for learning to occur. Yeah, and it's but it's not the only. And the thing is, oh, no, no, no. That, that, that both Bob, uh, you and I uh, agree that uh, that that we neither of us are advocates of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. No, is that we're not saying that learning in the flow of work is the only answer. But I think that the um, the the working with employees now for uh, for the best part of 25 years uh, i know that that we a lot of the time learning development we've been forcing uh, a certain shaped uh, um, block into into the wrong shaped hole and uh, yeah. while some people can uh, and have found um, uh, scheduling a small amount of, uh, of, of time each day to learning or or committing a day of, uh, of training once per year but you know and even even then I'd say that, uh, that uh, a day of training once a year might have sufficed once upon a time uh, I think right, you know, Bob and I that might have been a, a vague memory oh my about, it's right. gonna date us a little bit <laughs> yeah I, I remember back in the day when organizations could get you know offer their employees or, or required 40 hours of training a year or whatever that crazy amount was which which many organizations never even got to I mean and if you look at the 52 weeks a year perspective it's a, it's a drop in the bucket right so what happens the other 51 weeks right and, and for too long we've not been a part of that and david I, th I think what's important here for me in my journey here is that it is what you focus on is what you build first mm. and it's what you th and what in the end you 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 make the most time for and talk about time a, a bit in this survey and, and there's an important pivot coming up because we often hear i don't have time and we'll get to that in a bit yeah. but I, I guess when i shifted my view to workflow first my mindset, um, it changed everything that downstream from that. Yeah. And so, so blended learning, let's go there, right? I mean, we, we've been call, we've been throwing that out for years. Uh, I would argue it's blended training. Mm. I, I, if you look at the deliverables, I would argue that in many blended learning programs I've looked at, it's, it's, it's training assets mixed up, right? Which again, I, I look to your point, Dave, we're not saying that stops. But blended learn, that's what I love about the slide, because you're starting with a learner. Blended learning to a learner is not what we have called it often um, for years. And they want to start, they'd like us to start, not end, with the workflow first, if we can help there uh, better than we have. And there's so many ways we can. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so, so continue with the uh, the time thing because I think this the it's the, the uh, it's been part of the dialogue for again for as long as I've been in learning and development. Uh, people re uh, employees feel they don't have enough 
time uh, for uh, for learning or you know there was a question in the disney uh, engagement survey which was do you have enough time for training and we got that kicking every year and of course <laughs> we did because there isn't there, there there just isn't when you separate learning and the work guess what takes priority there there really isn't enough time and uh, i think that when asking uh, the question uh, would you learn um, uh, more if work learning was integrated more into the job again it was uh, it was overwhelming yes but I, if I may, David, I'd like to separate. I, I'm watching some back channel here. Is I, I want to. I'd like to. I'd like to challenge us today to drift away from. Um, oh boy, here comes. The, I'm gonna get myself in trouble early. Can we, <laughs> I'd like us to drift away from the word training a bit. Yeah. You know, it. it, it that's it, friends. You're not going to get to this discipline unless you let that word go a bit. And again, I want to be awful careful here. I'm not swinging the pendulum to the other way, as in we don't do any. But again, it, it's and, and I think the interesting thing about this slide is we've almost conditioned them to think of learning being something they stop to do. Mm. They make time to do. No, no, no. What, what if you did it while doing your work? Mm. Which, by the way, they do now, uh, probably badly or inefficiently. But, but let's get away from training being the thing that you stop wherever you are to consume or make time to wherever you are. What if it was so intrinsically blended? such that while completing an expense report that I always get wrong or, or, or handling a difficult uh, call center call with someone, I am aided in that work while doing and therefore learn in the most um, powerful way we can. Um, so so I, I, again, these are important pivots. I think we have to start changing in our, in our look at, in our view of these things. Yeah, and 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 I think that uh, that it's time for us as well to recognise that we're not talking with um, uh, about an employee group or you know or, or a cohort of people who are completely oblivious to all of this. As I said, I'm not you know I'm slightly tongue in cheek when I'm saying that Google and YouTube have been running an experiment, but this uh, this this need for immediacy uh, comes generally because that expectation is set from from a digital world where you know those those digital and real life is merging. Most of us work on computers after all. Uh, you know, our expectation is that we get the guidance and support that we need when we need it, and I think that uh, that that is another mind shift that uh, that that learning and development could uh, could help with. Uh, and you know, and it brings us to uh, to what is I think the uh, the, the meat of this here. Um, you know, learning in the flow of work seems to be the uh, the answer, uh, but we need I think we need to still continue to pose the questions because uh, there is a mismatch uh, in what learners deem uh, is effective and what learning and development teams are actually investing in. Uh, and that's what we'll explore on here right now. One of the, um, you know, this was the, the, um, uh, the statistic from the, the UK um, responses. Uh, all, all I'd say is that, uh, that the, the, um, the responses we had were, were pretty similar across the, uh, the markets that, uh, uh, that we ran the survey in, which was the UK, the US, uh, Germany and France with some nuances. And I'd recommend that you, you took a look at the, uh, the, the responses for, for your areas. Uh, but, uh, but just 29% of learners in the UK, and it was only slightly more in the US, uh, said that online training, which included, and it was in brackets as well, e-learning, virtual training, and MOOCs uh, was effective, despite this being one of the main types of training uh, that they received. And of course, investment in um, corporate learning tech has skyrocketed in the last two years. Uh, it's going to come, be a no surprise as to why. But if 29% of learners are saying that that's uh, only, you know, are saying that that was effective, I mean, that's a problem, isn't it, Bob? Well, yeah, I think I think we got fooled by an acronym years ago called JIT. 
Mm. You know, back when I when I, I was in the early days of e-learning, and I want I don't want to date myself, but this is my I'll be starting my 40th year in education um, actually today. This is an anniversary. 40 years ago today, Bob Mosher walked into an elementary school classroom in Warsaw, New York to begin this journey. Um, and as, as we got into e-learning, we, we, we threw out JIT just in time as a, a powerful, <laughs> thanks, as a powerful acronym. But here's what a friend of mine said. We confused accessibility with relevance. I love that quote, right? And, and I think that's what this statistic is showing us is, is just guys just making making training available in a different modality doesn't give you workflow learning. Mm. Um, and and I, I've been pushing this definition, David, for, for months now, because I think, I think words matter. And I, th I think definitions are important. If you're going to explain this to your enterprise and get them to let you do it, and, and even your own L&D team do it differently, we, we have to start with what it is, and if I may, what it's not. Mm. Right? And so I would argue, again, I'm going to be careful here, because it, I'm not saying this is this this in itself is bad. And Dave, I know you're, you're, you're doing the same thing, but, but the tip of the sword is not e-learning in the workflow. Hmm. The, tip of the, the tip of the sword is not, you know, a, a, a SharePoint site uh, with, a, with a gazillion links on it, right? That's, that's, that, that, that's, it's a part of the toolkit. It's a part of the blend. Yeah. But as was said by a gentleman earlier in, in the chat, it's, it's all about design, um, and, and a different kind than, than many are of, of us are used to, myself included, when I started this journey. I think that, uh, that uh, you know, to build on the, on the distinction that you're making there, Bob, as well, that, uh, that, that so much uh, of what we're talking about here, whether it be e-learning, virtual training, uh, and MOOCs, uh, could be designed without any dialogue whatsoever with the people that you're Absolutely. trying to influence. And learning in the flow of work can only be designed after extensive dialogue or enough dialogue to find out what it is that people are trying to do and what they're not able to do easily or efficiently without your help. Am I wrong? Oh, and, and, and the do is the, is the, is the key. And, and, and again, we're going we're to poke holes at a lot of things during this hour. But, <laughs> but, but one here, here and again, I, I always try friends to do this through my experience first, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to cast on others, but, and, and I will, but I've had a lot of experience and I've talked to thousands of you across the world in this thing. But so one thing we get tripped up is by an acronym called SMEs. Hmm. You know, subject matter experts are stunning, but the, for too long, they've dominated the dialogue. You know, and, 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 and there's some there was some recent research out of out of an association here in the States. Actually, it's a global association that said an, an, an SME can forget up to 70 percent, 70 percent of what the person you're trying to support needs to know to do or needs and needs to understand to do. So so so, you know, we, we the, the 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 pivots, the workflow. And I and David, it wasn't until almost 20 years into my career that I realized the type of analysis I'd been taught does not identify the workflow. Mm. It identifies stuff. It identifies a lot of content. It identifies a ton of what should be known to do. And again, those are parts. Those will always be parts of the structure of the of the of the solution. But again, it gets back to what the, what we pivot on. And when I sat through my first workflow analysis team. I, I, I was I almost had to walk out of the room by lunch because I was I was really appalled at how incorrectly I had been facilitating the conversation around what that what people do really was. And so I look back on 20 years of design and thought, holy cow, I I I, I didn't know. <laughs> I, I dragged these poor people into my room to put them through and prepare them for a world that they did not go back to.
Yeah. Think about that. Now, I gave him a lot of stuff that probably fit in there somewhere, mm. but the workflow, I really didn't know. And until you have that context, I don't know how you design for it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so so much gold there. Uh, you've, we've we've just had a comment, uh, uh, Bob for president. Uh, great insights. So <laughs> oh, we're, we're only uh, eighteen yeah, minutes there. in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but look, like, you know what we're talking about here, and I think that um, uh, you know this, this is worth unpacking. I think because again, this can be misconstrued. But, the, but first of all, if we say the the raw data set tells us that in all four of the regions that uh, that, that we polled, learning from peers, coaching, and mentoring, and instructor led training delivered on the job were rated as the most effective types of training for all countries. Now, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean uh, there, there are buzzwords we could we could pull out this context being a, a major factor. Yeah. Um, conversations around the actual job to be done. I mean, uh, Bob, again, this couldn't have caught you by surprise. Well, and, and not at all. And, and, and let's be careful. Boy, I just so love where we're going with all this, David. And, this, and, and we're only just scratching the surface, friends, of what should be an ongoing, deeper conversation around this. I'm going to push for that. This is an hour. This needs yeah. a lot. But let's be awful careful with peers, coaches, and mentors. And let me, let me qualify for just a second. They are the most valued resource in any enterprise. They're, 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 they're full-time employees and often paid to do other jobs. Yeah. So, I, so I'm not knocking those folks, but here's the problem. When they become, the, again, I get back to the tip of the sword idea. When they're a one hit wonder, we have to be careful of some things like their availability, uh, whether they're correct, uh, whether they're, whether they, we can scale them well. And, and where I'm going with this is they, they have to be a part of the architecture, David, but we also have to understand that most organizations want an independent, self-motivated, uh, worker, high performing worker. And there's dependency in peers, coaches, and mentors. If it's done poorly, I want to qualify, right? And I've watched, I've examined hundreds of those, these programs. Um, and we have to be careful about uh, looking for a one hit wonder here. Yeah. Right. And, 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 but I love where we're going because this is re-architecting and re-orchestrating the blend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. We've got, to, we've got to take these as indicators, not as a mandate to, uh, to you know, as we've done, I think, for uh, for quite some time in learning and development, uh, seek a, um, an equal partnership with other employees and with line managers and with um, influential and successful leaders within our, within our organizations. Yes, we can build bridges and we can do that uh, with content and conversations and workshops and all manner of, uh, of, of different uh, mediums. Uh, but but I think that, that what we can also take from here as well is that the investment um, or the overinvestment in vast generic suites of online learning have probably been foolhardy. We think that those are, as your phrase, the tip of the sword. Uh, but I think that uh, that they've they've sought to to plug a gap in our arsenal as learning and development, but not necessarily in the uh, uh, in the, the the requirements of the people who are expected to perform and get results uh, within our organisations. Now let's take take a look at an example here because I want to take this from the. Uh, from the learning provision into the experience of, uh, of, of people that we are seeking to influence. And so I think that, uh, that new management
managers are generally uh, the most neglected group of people within any given organization. <laughs> they were the experts last Friday, they were promoted, and now they don't know the job that they're doing on Monday. And learning and development might say that there's a, a program for you. What's the question on here? Um, that 20% um, um, of people said, um, they get the uh, the new manager training uh, that they're uh, that they're seeking uh, when there's availability on the next management development program, whenever that might be. Um, but these people need to understand both the new job that uh, that um, that they're doing, not not from a one minute manager perspective. Reading a book isn't going to help you to be a manager, uh, a sales manager at X company. But there is enough collective understanding within the organisation. There are expected and rewarded behaviours for any role in any given organisation. But but what was stark here, and I think the headline um, was that uh, that in the UK only four percent of respondents say their manager training happens in the week leading up to um, them taking the role, and that's 12% in the US. This is what we're, why we talk about learning in the flow of work, isn't it, Bob? Yeah, I mean, I, this is this is one of the groups I feel the most for. You know, like, to your point, David, one day they're an expert in content, the next day they're supposed to be an expert in managing people who also who do that content. Hmm. You know, one doesn't beget the other. In the States, we're notorious for this. We take a good salesperson to make him a sales manager. Hmm. The two skills are completely different. Right. And, and, and so and, and I also want to take a run. Here we go. at it. Soft skills. Hate it. Hate that. Hate that. I wish we'd never called them that to be between you and I, David, because they're anything but soft. Um, I was with a, I was helping redo a leadership program with the organization once. And one of the observers in the back said, you know, managing here is hard. It's a hard skill. It's not a soft skill. But here's the problem. We, 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 we run at things like competencies, David, of leadership without context of doing. And we also ignore something really important, which is that managers have a lot of operational, logistical, tactical things to get done that they have that they have to either they have, they have to get through or get out of the way or delegate so that they can get to the squishy part of leading. And when we work with a lot of our leaders and do workflow analysis, they say, look, I don't have time to lead. Yeah, I, I don't I, I am so mired in leadership stuff that I don't have time to professionally grow my people. Right. But so, so, so these are hurdles to tackle before we thrust people into a program. Yeah. You know, or, or think that something over two weeks, four weeks, three weeks, six weeks is going to is going to be enough. Hmm. Right. And so, again, helping managers in the workflow lead and balance tactical. And I love the human skills. John, thank you. Uh, is important. And too often the tactical is missing from the, the lens of, here we go, really doing the work in the workflow. I'm going to keep pounding that. Hmm. This is one audience that gets, I think, a, a, a raw deal in, in, the, in the difference between content taught and reality they return to. Yeah, and I think it's really important, again, to make the distinction that we're not saying right now that learning in the flow of work is better than a program or is better than the e-learning. What we're saying right now is there is no training. Like so, so they said. You know, twenty percent of people there said uh, that they they're waiting uh, for something to happen to them. Four uh, percent of people saying that they're being looked after, and there may be some e-learning. We you know, we don't get the stats here. What learning in the flow of work is replacing here is fumbling along and trying to figure out this out yourself when the problems that you're trying to solve have already been solved hundreds, if not thousands of times already inside your organization. So this is, this is replacing the inefficiencies provided with a topic-centric, program-centric approach to learning and development and missing out on the 
providing people with the, again, I'll go back to the information, the know-how and the insights that would be readily available if you if you could have those conversations with people who have uh, stepped in your into your shoes, uh, who are just running a few steps ahead of you or perhaps uh, have actually successfully navigated the, uh, the culture and, and how to do things here. You know, in, in, in every leadership program we've gone in to look at, David, has a workflow. I, I think there's myths in this business. And, and one of them is because we called it soft skills, there's no concreteness to it. Mm. Uh, no, there, there, are, there, are, there are a lot of leadership um, activities are built around structure and timing and, and all these other kinds of things and, and a workflow that we want them to complete. It's not push a button, pick a menu all the time, like other activities, but very much so. Um, and, and every time, it's interesting, because every time we start a leadership program, one of the things we ask our folks is, so how do you know you have a good leader? Very few people say, well, because they know the competency of blah, blah, blah. Hmm. What they say is, I watched them do this. They did this to me. They enabled me too. It's all doing, David. It's all, it, leadership, like anything, manifests itself through doing. Leaders don't come in to think about it. They come into the morning to do it. And so if we don't get down to doing in everything we support, our ability to help them get theirs and their ability to do it well is harder. Yeah, that's right. The, the people uh, are role modeling the expected and rewarded behaviors by those people who are in the positions that they aspire to be, which is much more tricky in a hybrid working environment. Let's, mm. uh, let's ask a question. Let's get, uh, get you involved. You'll find that there's a, a polls uh, button. Oh, someone's found the polls button uh, uh, already. So it's down in the right hand corner. Uh, we'd like you to answer the question. When do you offer your manager training to new managers? This isn't a name and shame. This is just to get uh, a little bit of a gauge and get you involved uh, as well. We've had some great questions. We've had some great comments. Uh, already, but uh, but we'd love to let uh, to know from your perspective. Uh, and Lauren's just pointing in the direction um, uh, of the of the polls here. Uh, when do you offer your manager training to new managers? All right. So let's take a look. Let's have a look at this. Oh, we've got a broad spread. We've got a broad spread here, uh, Bob, uh, and it's uh, and it's uh, moving along. Uh, I'd say that uh, at the moment we've got. Um, that uh, manager training is continuous and that's uh, switching roles all the time in, in the weeks after a manager takes uh, their new position. Thank you very much for, uh, for being honest, uh, everybody. I know it's not an ideal situation, but sometimes we do what we can. Um, we've got um, that uh, when there's availability uh, on a course, uh, swapping place a lot of the time with we don't have uh, a manager training program. Um, we have right at the bottom in the weeks before a manager takes their new position. The reason is is that uh, that, that it's hard, um, and I suppose that might be the reason that uh, that we're still talking about this. Mm. Any uh, any thoughts or comments on that, Bob? Yeah, I, I I think we have to stop looking at learning as a point in time. Mm. You know, it's 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 because it never has been to our learners. You know, they and and they they see us as part of the journey, not all of it. And, and, that, and that's a real challenge, I think, back to us, you know, it, it's because in the end we get whacked for their inability to perform downstream um, and, and they feel abandoned in that, in, in how we we join them on that journey. And so I, I think we have to really rethink the continuum of learning, um, particularly from a manager's perspective. Um, the world we live in today, my gosh, I don't know how they keep up. You, we, we talked about upskilling them. What about continually skilling them, you know, as, as the rules change. So it's not just a point in time, friends. It's a, it's a, it's an ongoing transfer and sustain journey. And, and I challenge anyone to, to go back to your L and D team and say, what's our sustainability strategy, hmm. not our training strategy, not our learning strategy. What is your sustainability strategy? Because um, nowadays 
content changes too frequently, responsibilities, um, and we ask our learners to keep up on their own. Mm. Yeah, it's got to be more of a partnership, and that partnership isn't just about uh, us creating an army of self-directed learners and they know where to go find stuff. It's about meeting them where they are. Um, now, somebody asked a question uh, a moment ago. Um, it was, uh, was Paul, any, uh, any data on effectiveness of generic uh, learning platforms, mm. uh, LinkedIn and Coursera? Now, I'm not going to say anybody's a bad guy. This doesn't pick on anyone in particular. But the biggest flaw in manager training, we were told overwhelmingly that it's too generic and not specific to the practical situations learners face as managers. We've got into a bad habit of trying to educate generic managers uh, thinking that there are these standard skill sets that span across uh, different organizations. And there may be, but it doesn't always help within the, the context in which managers are expected to assimilate and perform. Uh, you're smiling there, Bob. I think that's the, that's something that you see. Uh, you see well, they, they, you absolutely nailed it, David. I mean, I mean, you know, listening skills are one thing, but if I'm a line manager, are they different than if I'm a different kind of manager, yeah. right? So, so, so as my dear friend says, you know, um, knowing without the context of the doing is lost pretty quickly. We hang, we hang, we, 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 we instinctively as learners want to hang understanding on the application of that. Right. And, and, and too often we have these generic leadership programs. We teach, we, we deliver across multiple departments, accounting, sales, senior leaders, the whole deal. And we wonder why it's a miss when they get back because the the, the, the slide says it. When, when they take, we, we stay too up here in the clouds, we don't get into the workflow and the tactical work enough that most managers struggle making that jump and see our offerings as too generic. That, that, that's, a big, that's a big flag to me that I'm not peeling the onion deep enough for them. Mm -hmm. And I'm leaving them too much, I'm leaving them to their own world of making that cognitive jump to the world of application. Yeah, we say we're the learning experts and we do not um, uh, leave a lot of the, the, the transfer, the application of uh, generic learning content to the context, to the individuals that we're, uh, we're expected then to perform. Uh, it's, not, it's not as easy as, and I've heard it you know, many times on, uh, on training courses, it's up to you to transfer this back to the workplace. I mean, I, I think that that's harder than, uh, than delivering any content uh, and, and, and in, a, in a program. Let, let, and again, let me get, let me get a little, little confrontation, or, or not that's the wrong word. Let me get a little controversial here for a second. Um, without context, you overteach. Yeah. Without context, you will overteach. Why? Because everything needs to be taught. Uh, this was my one of my big ahas. Everything does not need nor should be taught. But if your only context is an SME, not the not the the context of the work, then sure, everything has to be in the course. Mm -hmm. But again, these these are some when you shift to workflow learning first as your focus again, but still building these other things, David. Right? But when you shift to this, your focus, you 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 it, it, you look at content very differently than you ever did before. Yeah, when you look at uh, performance support to try to enhance uh, the, uh, the longevity of a training program, you build, you need performance support for everything you train. When you de develop training to, to, uh, to enhance your performance support, then your performance support is very targeted and your training is much, much lighter. We have to flip this around uh, in order to, to, to burst the bubble uh, that, that so many in learning and development think, well, how do I turn this five-day program into learning in the flow of work? 
you go, you understand the workflow and then you realize that you zero in and you're doing far less work and then you know whether it works or not. It really is. It's, uh, you, you, you really have to flip it uh, upside down. Um, let's get uh, involved you again. There's lots of some great questions uh, and, mm. uh, and lots of great comments. Thanks. Please keep them coming. So the poll question again, do L&D get involved in supporting employees to cope with changes to roles? So uh, so whether this is, so this is in the line itself, in the operation. So either adjusting to new systems, new processes, uh, or demands uh, in any particular uh, department in your organization or organization wide. So let's have a look. Oh, we've got a good, uh, we've got a good strong yes um, uh, contingent there. Um, knows that uh, are around 28, 29% and don't knows uh, around uh, 10%. So, uh, so it looks as if uh, some plenty of invitations are being made out to, to learning and development, if not all. Um, the, the interesting part of this is um, I, I saw a, 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 a some, some, I've been seeing some wonderful posts from uh, from Guy Wallace and um, uh, and uh, uh, Miriam Nealon, who I had on the podcast this week, around how do you think you can um, develop skills if you don't know the work? <laughs> like, and I thought that was that was that was really interesting. Learning the flow of work uh, as a as a way of of, of upskilling and reskilling, uh, I think is uh, uh, is. Uh, is, is a conversation I'm seeing more and more prevalent. And I think in, I, I, I was heartened by it because too much nonsense about plugging in vast suites of, uh, of, um, uh, of, of content and it then the right stuff that, that's completely remiss of anybody's job in your organization is going to somehow upskill people is, uh, is, a, is a current myth that needs bursting. Uh, but being invited into a conversation to actually uh, help to, uh, to uh, uh, equip people with what they need uh, as uh, during periods of adaptation, enforced adaptation, uh, I think uh, that learning the flow of work is, uh, is, um, uh, is, is right for that. Uh, I mean, is that is that some work that you're involved with or you're seeing, Bob? Yeah, and, and I think, and David, I think we need another filter with which to look at that onslaught of stuff, right? I mean, for, for years, it's been an additive journey. Mm. Our courses get bigger and more behemoth-like because, you know, as opposed to scaling them back and looking at at their role very differently. But but to do that, you have to have some, you have to have, you have to have some important context with which to make those decisions um, responsibly. One we use in our work is something called critical skills analysis, which means we look at, we don't look at the content as whether it's important, because by the way, it's all important. What we look at is what's the criticality of failure if someone doesn't do it well. Yeah. And where I'm going with that is that helps us decide what needs to get taught formally and what doesn't. Not important, not the whole, because things that people die from or hurt or someone gets sued or you lose your job or that type of stuff, those are, those are critical skills, not important skills. Those are critical skills. And, and we don't want people learning in the workflow those things, even with even with great support, because the consequence of failure is too great. Mm. Oh, but but what what's exciting about this activity for me, David, every time we do it is what we find out is even in, in what seem like very critical courses by title, there's a lot of not critical stuff. Mm. There's a lot of not critical stuff. And why not let that be learned while doing? Because failure is a great instructor if it's supported mm. appropriately. I'm not saying leave people for wanting. But if you let people possibly fail or go into situations where they're going to struggle, or that, but but support them robustly in that workflow with a digital coach or systems that I don't think we use enough now or design well enough now, um, 
it can really help you do your training and what you train on in a very different way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so let's let's look at this from a, an L and D perspective then, and uh, and this all leads up to uh, to to another poll. That uh, so hopefully um, uh, uh, this will uh, will pique your interest across the board on in all four regions. Learning the flow of work keeps the um, keeps the same priority as last year uh, for uh, almost six out of ten. So the question was, uh, uh, has learning the flow of work increased in its priority or decreased since last year? Um, uh, and so the so the the question to you is. Uh, uh, is learning the firm work as much of a priority for your organization this year as it was last? Uh, is it uh, A, yes, B, no, C, no difference, or D, don't know? Bob, is it any surprise that the majority of people who are on a learning in the flow of work webinar uh, see this as a <laughs> as bigger, uh, no. bigger opportunity uh, no, but, as, uh, as last year? Uh, we've got the next lot, uh, which is uh, don't know, no difference in seventeen, and no, which is five percent. You know, here's um, here's here's the interesting thing, David. I've I I wanted to lose weight for years too, hmm. and I've also wanted to be a better golfer, and I'm and I'm neither. Um, so hmm. so the journey between desire and doing is the is the pivot. Right. Mm. And, and I think that's where we have fallen a bit short in our industry is is uh, taking a step back and 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 doing the hard things that it, you need to do things differently. You know, my dad used to say, I don't I hope I don't hope this translates OK, but it was just an expression in our family was, you know, a pig with lipstick is still a pig. That's right. You know, and 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 what do you, what do you mean by that is is is, is we, we sometimes reconstruct what we already know and expect a different thing. Mm. And this, and, and those I know that are doing this well, and there are many yeah. have really had to step back and, and, and look at some significant changes in, in the tools they use. I think we, we talked offline, David, there recently, there's a, there was a tool survey that came out mm. about the most popular tools um, that our industry is using. I went through all of them. There was a hundred. I went through all of them for if that, had anything to do with workflow learning or designing for it. So, so how do we expect to build a house differently if we don't change the tools we use to build it? Yeah. So, 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 you know, guys, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of layers to the onion here that we have to, we have to do. I think the desire is at a place like never before. Now we have to have the tough conversations and take the difficult steps to, to then let go of some things we, we, we have held on for too long and, do the things we need to do to do it differently. Yeah. And invest in. Yeah, and, and what I'd add to that, Bob, is that uh, learning the flow of work isn't a silver bullet, and it's not a, it's not a trend in learning development that is actually going to go away. The way we're going to look at this is for decades, <laughs> and I think that work was more predictable and manual perhaps in the past when oh. when the more established ways of doing learning and development were first um, uh, um, uh, developed and uh, began to be adhered to. But what you did is that you you invested heavily in a learning event, and then you tried to instill as much into people's heads so that when a situation occurred at some undetermined time in the future, there will be some remnants. So you're relying on the person to absorb uh, all of that content. Now that's whether it's one day, two day. I once went on three week induction program, which was very good at full of simulation, but it filled me up before I was uh, before I was ready to go. But what this does is it flips it around and says, you can't rely on filling people up. So how about we just bring the learning to the work? And so you just invert it to make it easier uh, for, for people 
people to actually get more of the right stuff done. So it requires us to show some humility and realize that perhaps what we've been doing all of this time isn't always the most effective way. And what if we gave them more of what they needed when they needed it, and then we did more of the stuff that we've we've been developing uh, uh, more maybe just keeping the stuff that works um, uh, uh, for, for a little way back. So it is simply an inversion, but putting the, uh, the employees uh, at, the, at the fore of that rather than uh, bringing them into necessarily into just into our worlds. Yeah, there, there, you know, there's there's three things, David, I've learned in this thing uh, over and over again. I, I relearned over and over again. Number one, workflow learning is not new. It's been around forever. Uh, that's point number one. So it's been around. We're not inventing anything. Workflow learning has been around as long as the learners tried to not get fired. Right. But here's the second thing I've learned. They're bad at it. They, they, we, no one's ever systematized it, if you will, for them. So they 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 do it with posty notes all over their monitors and yeah. and as best they can. And they bother others. Um and two people do one person's work. And then lastly, we have not been seeing our deliverables don't align with that well. That we, we So it's not just putting our stuff, we, we talked about this earlier, out there like e-learning. That didn't move the, 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 the needle like we're talking about here. So we have to, you have to look at it very differently. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, continuing this conversation then uh, uh, for the L&D priorities, seven out of 10 of, uh, uh, of global L&D leaders confirm the effectiveness of providing learning at the point of need. And um, uh, with this pie chart here shows how much of a priority is implementing learning the flow of work for your organization. 47% said high priority, 31% uh, said medium priority, uh, and then um, the, the, the rest there, uh, what's that? Twenty-one percent uh, had uh, low priority, no, not a priority at all, or don't know. Um, but uh, but you know this goes on to to some of the questions we're having, uh, uh, we're being asked about how you do this stuff and how you do this stuff on a limited <coughs> budget. Uh, and we'll get to. Uh, I'll just go through a couple of slides, Bob, and then we'll take a take a breath to answer uh, some of that. Uh, many L and D professionals, um, as we said say they don't have enough budget or resources to support learning in the flow of work. Um, and we'll just take a, um, a one more poll, and then I'd love to discuss that with you, uh, Bob, because I think that some of the, um, uh, the, the barriers that are here is because we still think of training first rather than learning in the workflow. Uh, and then we try to apply the same method, a similar methodology around collecting learning needs and, and bot and top down. Uh, and that may prevent us from, uh, from, uh, from doing what, um, what we need to do in order to, to make the pivot or at least include it more. Um, but before we engage in that conversation, Bob, we're seeing that um, uh, almost a third of people saying that limited understanding of our learners' preferences uh, and performance challenges uh, is the top. Limited technology and integration uh, capabilities next. Limited support from senior leadership um, uh, is right up there, as well as limited resources and budget. And further down the line, we've got um, lack of data and insights, don't have any challenges, uh, and, uh, and other. Um, uh, so, so I'd love to uh, to get your uh, your thoughts on this, Bob, around these barriers uh, that that are real, real tangible barriers and preventing people from uh, from moving forward with this, and how to overcome them. Yeah, I, I, again, I think we have a biased group here in this in who's attending, which I think, it, it, and and I love the way our attendees poll came out because um, I, I get that, and we can talk through those a bit too. It, it's interesting with a larger poll, you know, the the, the limited resources and budget stuff. <laughs> We hear this all the time. You know, I mean, one of my favorite excuses growing up in, to have avoided things in life with my 
dad was I didn't have time. And my father's favorite quote was, he said, no, no, you had time. You didn't make time, <laughs> you know? And, and he said, you make time for things that are important to you. Mm. I'll, ne- I, I'll never forget that. There is always time. It's just how you choose to use it. And, and so when, when there's not time or resources, that means you chose to use them on, on something other than this. Because mm. you do have time and resources. And, I, and, I, and by the way, I, 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 they may be limited. Totally get that. So I'm not saying they're not. But um, so the question becomes, what do you choose to spend those time and resources on? And again, what you hear often in a lot of folks is, well, you know, I had to get the training class done first. Mm. Or I had to build in in my answer is then you guys, you haven't made the flip to look to workflow learning. Then what if you built the life raft first? Yeah. And then taught swimming. You know, it's it's I wrote an article years back called, you know, do we teach swimming or do we prevent drowning? Mm. And. You know, it's, if, if I saw someone drowning in a, in a deep end, I wouldn't go, wait, well, look at me, watch over here. I'm going to show you how to swim. Watch, watch, wow, I'm going to demonstrate. No, 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 you throw them a life jacket. Like immediately, you, you give them something in the context of drowning to not drown hmm. and, and, and then go from there. <laughs> we, spend, we send learners back to, to drown. You know, we, we, we don't build the, 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 the life support of, work, of the workflow first. And then all these assets we pile on are stunning. Uh, we're, again, we're not we're not refuting them, but we have to be sure we're prioritizing and standing behind this idea um, first. Yeah. What I throw into to the mixes there uh, as well, Bob, is I think we need to ask ourselves some tough questions. What are we spending our time on that we don't know whether it works or not? Because because I think that if we don't know whether it works or not, and by by that I mean uh, helps us achieve the desired outcomes, uh, then I think that the that if we don't know whether it works, there's a really good chance it doesn't work. Uh, I'd include uh, trying to drive traffic to uh, a learning platform that is being actively resisted, if not completely ignored. Uh, I spent far too much of my time trying trying to justify the investment uh, in the in a global Im- implementation of a of a learning platform that was being largely resisted or or ignored. Um, an inordinate amount of time that I'd prefer to have spent on on actually helping people in the organization. Uh, but I'd, I'd also say that uh, that if, um, first of all, it goes back to what, uh, what, what Bob was saying earlier. If there is criticality, if what if your involvement has to get results, my advice would be to go for le- work, uh, workflow learning, yeah. learning flow of work. Get to where people are working and where they need the help, and build from there. Uh, but if, you know, not just build. Do the analysis first of all, uh, and then build from there. So, uh, but and you also don't have to completely refresh. We're not. We neither of us are no, advocating no. that learning the flow of work is the only thing that you go for. But when you when it actually matters, I think it's what is it's probably the. Uh, the, the safest bet. You know, it, it, it's, it's a reorchestration, David, of many of the assets we do now. And when, when we do our work, probably 60, 70% of what we use is already there mm-hmm. or it's things, it's just a reorchestration of that, of it in the context of work. You know, ROI has always been, been a, a problem for training. And, and a dear friend of mine once said, maybe we can't find ROI because what we did, what we're making can't yeah. get one. Since I, since I shifted, since I would argue training alone struggles for ROI because it, that's not what it does. It, it, it's, 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 on, it's, it's not in the workflow. Therefore, trying to draw an association between what happens there and a, and a class or, or something that was taken outside of that, this is unfair and hard. Since, since I've moved to this discipline, my ability to relate 
what I've embedded to the outcome of performance is exponentially higher because I'm measuring in the context of performing something that lives there and enables it directly. Yeah. And, uh, and Charles Jennings has, uh, has, uh, has just made a, a very similar point. I think he's, uh, he's incredibly powerful. One of the challenges to embedded learning in the flow of work is that L&D professionals usually focus on learning as an outcome. Uh, I'll give an example there. It's micro learning came and went because we were trying to embed learning uh, content in the flow of work. But as, as, uh, uh, as Charles uh, continues in the workplace, performance is the outcome and learning is just one taller pathway to get there. Uh, but really it is about the doing. It's about up the doing and that's why when it truly matters you would do the analysis uh, on the performance uh, or the the desired outcomes and then get as close to the point of need in order to, to provide uh, the the tools the information the know-how or the insights uh, another interesting one uh, uh, again, the uh, L&D challenges uh, is that uh, we asked the question, does your learning management system integrate with your business tools, i.e. where people are actually doing their work, uh, so you better understand when to provide learners with training at the point of need? 52% said yes, and 35% uh, uh, said no, and 14% said don't know. Uh, and whilst we, uh, we, you know, we, we, this isn't a technology conversation, in trying to get as close as you possibly can uh, to, uh, to where people work, there, there is likely to be an element of technology. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't see how it can't be in the mix, David. It it, it, it is the deliverable. It, it is the tool in which what we build is delivered, um, in many cases. And 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 I, I love this slide because I, I for us that's been the key of of having LMSs do what I think we wanted them to do in the first place, and that is contextualize them um, within the workflow so that when someone is directed towards or decides that, it, that training is needed, mm. then it's 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 contextualized with with the moment they're trying to perform and do, and therefore the application's greater. Um, but there, are, but it, it needs to be in, in the context of these tools, we call it a digital coach, um, but it, it needs to be in the context of something has to be the gatekeeper or the dashboard or the, the single source of truth with which all these disparate tools, LMS being one of them, um, find alignment mm -hmm. and, and, and find a context within which to be, to be used. Yeah, completely agree. I think that uh, we've, we, I mean, we've got some questions, uh, uh, and I'd like to invite some questions. We've got a little bit of time uh, left, but uh, but but of course, we need to. If we we were to um, provide some uh, some insights and some uh, uh, some practical tips on uh, on how to do this, we've got uh, four on here, and I'll invite you to add to this, Bob. You know, identify learning needs in real time. You know, the conversation we've actually said here, these are performance needs uh, in uh, in real time. We need to we need to understand what it is that people are trying to do that they're not able to do easily or effectively and that their inability to do so is having a critical impact uh, on our organization or, or a, a particular department. Uh, put it this way, you're you're not going to get people not engaging in stuff that they really need help with when they need it. Uh, you know, you encourage, encourage peer learning. So uh, so get uh, um, there. It's it's helpful to to keep the context within uh, your uh, um, from your organization into your 
uh, learning development, learning the flow of work solutions. Uh, so remember, keep that in mind. Uh, leverage uh, smart technology and integrations. Some of us are hamstrung, uh, but you can run um, uh, experiments uh, with the technology you either have uh, or is free, whether it can then do the smart stuff to automate uh, and, uh, and take, do some of the heavy lifting for you is a different matter. Uh, and uh, I think the number four ties back to number one. Uh, if there is a critical need and you've done your analysis, then you know your ground zero. Uh, and then you don't stop uh, your experiment until you've made you start making an impact and then you turn the dial you do more of the stuff that works uh what would you add to that bob clearly you've got a lot, a lot yeah, more I, 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 methodology yeah i i like all of these i think i i i've aligned with them um throughout this you know the the first one is the workflow to me that's the that's mm -hmm. the real time what, what intrigues me about two is I, I i think sometimes we see it as a standalone thing when as where i would integrate two into one and three meaning sometimes those that support others don't know the context of the work of those they're supporting so so they need to understand those needs um, i think number two needs to understand three what are the technologies and integrations and tools we've made to help folks support performing the workflow and what if the job of peer learning was to not teach content but to teach how to find and do content you know it, it, it what if what if what if our mentoring program's job and we said look your job is to put yourself out of business so that so that you're not needed. So when you answer a question, if you answer with an answer and then say, "Well, call me back when you have when you have this issue again," or the next time you need something, you're not doing your job. Your job should be teaching people to fish, so that eventually they can fish for the, themselves. Um, and 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 so many peers live within the context of work and could really be enablers of our stuff. Um, when 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 too often they become the tip of the sword uh, for a lot of folks. So. I, I'm spot on with all three, David. Yeah, great. Uh, Bob, we've got uh, uh, we've got some questions here. If I mm -hmm. go to uh, uh, Paul, I think we, we may have, uh, uh, have answered yours. And of course, if we've not, then I think there might be more in the survey. Uh, but Nicola uh, asked, uh, what's an effective way to help develop a learning culture where managers and staff proactively learn as they go, moving their understanding of learning away from simply attending a course? Well, you have to build something that they can see differently. You know, it's, 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 everyone asks this all the time. Where do I start? Build something, but don't build training with lipstick. <laughs> you know, you have, you have to build a different mousetrap. You know, a dear friend of ours, Frank Wynn, who, who's now um, a senior learning leader at Amazon, he said, when I was first, when I first tried to bring an organization into this world of performance support, digital coach, workflow learning, and they were very mired in e-learning as a deliverable. He said, fine, I'll build you e-learning. And they went off and built performance support. He built an embedded tool. And when he came back, the learners go, well, that doesn't look like the e-learning we used to make. And he said, well, no, this is the new e-learning. Hmm. Um, and then they were like, cool, you're the learning professional. I'll assume you know the latest and greatest, right? But we don't, we don't take that initiative enough, David. We, we are the learning professionals. They're not, yeah. right? And, and, and so we, we, need to, we need to step up sometimes and lead in the way we consult, not just through what we build, but why we build it and, and why we, are, we should be challenged with bringing the latest and greatest to our organizations, not the order takers of what they think is best. You know, we're, we're one of the few professions that people come in predisposed with a deliverable. I don't go to my doctor and say, I want nine Advil because my arm hurts. Hmm. I wouldn't dare do that because I'm not a doctor, but people walk in our office and go, I want five days of learning on before before we've had any, you know, right? And so we have to turn that dialogue and that responsibility around if we're ever given the chance to take these other initiatives. Hmm. 
And, and you know, I think that you one of the key elements of uh, what you just said there, Bob. It's about it's about the conversation. It's a fundamentally different conversation. Yes. We are not we are not asking people to engage more in our learning content. We're helping to solve their problem. Right. If if they're not engaging with us, yes. After after we are uh, after the analysis we've done with them to solve their problem. You know, this, you know, this is, all this stuff goes, all this stuff goes away when you do this. Oh, the ROI discussion. One of my friends said, you know, maybe, maybe they always want ROI because they, they can't really find, because we haven't sold them on the value of our stuff. So they want us to wrap it, wrap something around it that shows why we're important. What if our stuff in and of itself intrinsically showed its value? Hmm. You know, I, I, once I, when I started building digital coaches and organizations, they stopped asking for the other stuff. Once they yeah. saw it, they said, I want nine more of these, please. Mm-hmm. But until we show it and build it and are courageous enough to go there, they're going to keep thinking in the context with which we've taught them. Yeah. And that is training. We're the L&D. We're really the T&D department. Mm-hmm. We're the training and development partner, department in their eyes because we've only ever or mostly led with training. And we have to broaden that toolkit. And, and realign it to what we know is better. Yeah, that's right. There, I mean, there, there are a lot of gaps in uh, uh, in this uh, on how you do this stuff. But but look, Bob Bob's got a like got a build a career on this. Bob and 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 his partner Comrade Godfordson, I'd say, uh, go and listen to uh, to the Performance Matters podcast, where there there are actual case studies, people that they've worked with who have implemented learning in the flow of work and actually got demonstrable results uh, as a result there. I don't know whether you would have plugged that, Bob, uh, but uh, but I would certainly uh, point people in that direction. And and of course, you know, you've 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 got a great deal of work uh, on actually doing the uh, the uh, the analysis. Um, and uh, and doing yeah well yes really- it, it, it's 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 uh, it, uh, <laughs> we need the next generation of Addy mm-hmm. you know and 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 my dear colleague Tan Gafferson when he made this pivot his, himself over thirty years ago he said look if I'm a, I'm a designer by trade if I don't come up with another scalable training designing method then I'm then I'm then I'm 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 not doing what I should do so mm. so so we have to find another way to defend and do this. Um, repeatedly, um, like we have building training, and they're out there. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Uh, and I've spoken to uh, to many folks who've uh, who've made the pivot and are really making learning the flow of work uh, work for them. Uh, and in, um, uh, and who uh, would answer many of the questions that uh, that we've not been able to get to uh, on here as well. Uh, you could also join the L and D Collective, uh, where we have a lot of uh, like minded people solving problems uh, together. There's a link that Lawrence just placed into the. Uh, uh, into the chat if you'd like to come and join us. Uh, it's a very active group. Uh, as I said, solving a lot of the problems of, uh, uh, that, that learning and development folks uh, are, uh, are looking to overcome uh, together. Uh, we've had a Q&A. Um, uh, Freddie, would you like to, uh, to come up and uh, uh, close off for us? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, David and Bob, so much. And really great discussions here. Um, and it's so wonderful to see such an engaged audience. We really do appreciate all your comments, ideas and questions um, as well. So, yeah, just we hope that you found these uh, discussions useful and you'll kind of look for ways to apply these uh, pointers in your organizations. Um, just a reminder, we do still have the the, the survey. Lauren just put a, a link to the chat if you want to take a look at a bit more of, uh, of the results. Um, in detail. So uh, yeah, once the, the webinar is finished, um, there will be uh, a, a survey on the event. Please let us know how, how you found it. 
Uh, and you'll also receive some links to, to watch this session back again. So, yeah, I'd just like to say thanks again, David, uh, Bob. Thanks, everybody, for attending and uh, enjoy the rest of your day.